I'm with uh, Professor Leonard Collard, uh, known better, I think, as Len, is that right? Yeah. yeah. Len, thanks very much for talking uh, to Fremantle Shipping News. Um, you're a senior Noongar man, is that right? I think so, yeah. And I was call me Elder and Pop and whatnot, so I yeah. suppose... Um, well, I think it's a few older than me, of course, but... Yeah. yeah. And and you belong to a particular group within the, the Noongar peoples? Yeah, well, um, my uh, mum, mum's family were Bennells, and Bennells, um, um, you, might, you might remember, were the people that lodged the native title claim over the um, uh, Perth metropolitan area. Uh, Tony Bennell, my brother Tony, well, the, the Bennells, um, through my mum's family, um, so we can, you know, we can trace our family um, through my nana, uh, my mum Jean Collard, or um, her mum was Muriel um, Bennell, or Muriel Maguire, um, and her mum was Dulok Bennell, and we can go further back. Yeah. So in, in the female line of, of my family, um, we've got connection uh, to the Wajak clans of the, what today is known as the Swan River or the Perth metropolitan area and surrounding districts, which includes Fremantle, blah, blah, blah. On my dad's family, um, uh, Fred Collard, um, his, uh, his uh, mum was a shore, and the shores were um, uh, given land by James Sterling in the Upper Swan, up at the property called Belver. They were white settlers, were they? Yeah, yeah they came out on the, um, on the um, early, early boats here to... Port of Fremantle, I suppose, or maybe not have been a port then, it might have been just a sort of a sand hill or something. And um, James Sterling was allocating land to the uh, colonies of the day, and uh, so the Shaw family were um, given the property up at the Upper Swan. And um, so the women in, the, in that family um, had children to the Shaw boys, and if you might remember, uh, up at, up at Belver is where Yagan was um, murdered, and um, Yagan, uh, the women in Yagan's tribe are the women that have children to the shore boys. So I think you can clearly deduct that uh, um, the women in Yagan's family are, well, we must be related to Yagan somehow, but it's back in the midst of time. And, uh, but we do know is that Mary Ballapon, the woman, was from the Upper Swan and she was a part of Yagan's family. Now, you mentioned Wajak. Territory, and you mentioned it picks up Fremantle as well. Um, and you've been a Fremantle resident, I think, for some some time. Well, my old man uh, and my old lady they uh, bought land in Sampson Street in um, in the sixties. I can't remember what year it was. Might have been sixty-one or something. That's it, Sampson Street, White Gum Valley. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sampson Street, and uh, he, he was um, he was fortunate enough that he worked for for a, uh, a farmer. Uh, in and around Brooklyn, uh, Alan Evans, and basically Alan said, um, as the story goes to the family, probably best to shift down to the city and get your kids an education and whatnot. Hmm. Um, so I uh, mean, Dad uh, got X amount of thousand pounds off him, or lent it to him, or whatever he did, and they uh, purchased uh, a house in Sampson Street, and um, so that's where we basically grew up, um, and we were. 
what was ironical is that we were Noongars that actually owned private property. And I, and I know when I talk to other Noongars that were dependent on rents or government housing, um, um, I think we had a solid foundation to, to live our lives on our private property. So you were growing up in White Gum Valley and around Frio, what, in the, in the 60s? In the 60s, yeah. yeah. So uh, some of the older siblings, uh, there's, there's nine in our family. Um, some of them, um, uh, some went to uh, Wycombe Valley Primary School and then headed off to John Curtin. Um, but by the time I went to high school, um, South Mount Senior High School had been constructed. And so, um, you know, then, so there's a bit of a split in the family. Some, some of the older ones went to John Curtin and the rest of us went to, to um, South Mount. Well, I think I introduced you as a professor. Leonard Collard, which might just sound like a different person altogether, doesn't it? But uh, you're at UWA, University of Western Australia, yeah. and and what is the work that you're doing there at the moment? Well, I work in the School of Indigenous Studies, uh, led by um, um, Professor Jill Milroy. Uh, Jill's, Jill's an actually, she's a Fremantle resident, probably might be worth having a chat with her about her experience as a Fremantle person. Um, but I, um, uh, Jill uh, basically came and had talked to me one day and asked me to, to um, come up and join the team at the School of Indigenous Studies and um, I was a research professor at that time. Um, I, I was looking into um, carbon, uh, carbon, carbon economies and Aboriginal training and how it might relate. I also uh, worked on, um, I, I had a grant to do Noongar Place known as South West Australia, so the Bujar.com website is where you can go to have a look at that work. And um, what else was I doing? I was doing another project. Uh, uh, oh, the Noongar Place, not Place Names, um, Noongarpedia. I'm looking at... Which is one that I'm working on currently. Oh, right. I'm looking at the UWA staff profile on the internet as we as we speak, and you've got an amazing publications list, if I can, can say so. Can I ask you this? As you were growing up, thinking back to, say, when you were a 10-year-old, uh, you were at what, White Gum Valley Primary School, um, had you begun to learn then about your, your Noongar history and... And and how did you how did you learn about that? Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, when the family was in Brooklyn, there was a lot of Noongars in Brooklyn, and I was, I think if you you know read Jack Davis's work, he talks about Brooklyn and he describes Brooklyn as a stronghold or a bastion of Noongar culture, um, and so um, at at our age, um, we were still um, fortunate to to have lots and lots of nannas and pops and uncles and aunties that all spoke Noongar. And so the question, when did you learn? Well, I don't know, I suppose I learned when I was in, when I was in my mum's belly, I think. Um, so as you grow up, you just grow up, you know, normally within the values and the, the, the circumstances of your family. So, you know, so it's, it's a bit of an odd question to say, well, when did you start learning about your culture? I think we were learning the whole time. Um, so when, I can remember when we went to Wycombe Valley Primary School, because um, I was born in um, late December in 59, so uh, when I was five years old, I went to school. But I'd only actually, I was four, and I'd just turned five, and a month or so later, I'm at school. And so I, I kind of, looking back now, I think I was clearly disadvantaged 
um, because I was kind of early five and other crew, they were five going on to six type thing. So, I mean, at that age, as you can tell, it's a, there's a quite a big difference. And, mm-hmm. and I think, um, in a sense, it set me back. I, I kind of didn't, I didn't have the maturity, I think, um, because of those circumstances. And I know, I know the uh, teachers, uh, you know, they were always pretty quick to seem to draw the rule around and give you a whack on the hand because you didn't write properly or listen properly or, you know, you're sitting asleep in your chair. Or you write or with your left hand or something. Yes. Um, and I know I, I, I can clearly remember one time when I got whacked and I sort of remembered in my mind, you know, um, that, um, that uh, I wasn't really happy about getting belted and if I, I reckon if my mum would have known about it she might have went up there and had a chat with that lady now you know in, in, under, in those days um, sparing the rod wasn't necessarily the case. <laughs> it was more like drag it out and whack them first well you obviously remedied that early uh, sense about education and you became quite learned and you hold the position you hold today there must have been a point at which you decided to become more involved in, in things to do with Noongar culture and the, the, the academic side and the research side and the, the interpretive work yeah. that you've been involved um, in. When did that first start to happen? Well, as I say, I think it was, that was always the case. We were always wanting to learn and know more and uh, whether, whether you, know, you had a choice or not, well, maybe we didn't really have a choice because the oldies... Yeah. You know, and, and, and how did you get involved they in... They spoke to us in Noongar and, uh, and so, well, if you... If you Grandparents are talking to you. Would you pay attention? Yeah. And okay, like any kid, you know, I'm sure in Fremantle that grew up from the, you know, from the um, ethnic families that came here, the migrant families. I mean, I'm sure they must have had to go through the same process. Yes. They had to probably learn to speak, you know, Portuguese or Italian or, you know, whatever the language was. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, did you have particular people in your family who encouraged you to pursue the line that you've finished up taking? Uh, yeah, well, I think I think you know, like a lot of people, that I think the grandparents have a um, have a um, a fair bit of influence. I remember um, as a little kid, uh, you know, you had some of the <laughs> some of the family would be t- talking about um, you know skin colour, and of course, um, in my case, I wasn't that dark, and you, you're trying to get teased, like you know, you're a white fella, and. Uh, and I remember, I remember talking to my nana Mural and telling her about it. And of course, as she was, uh, she basically cuddled me up and said to, said to me, "Well, you know, you're you're you know you're a Noongar and and we'll teach you how to speak Noongar, and then that'll be that'll be it." So, you know, if there were seminal times in your life, I mean, there are things that I can remember that really yes. obviously hit the mark and maybe created a, a, an impression on me to be interested and stay interested. And of course, as life went along, you, you know, you travel back to Brooklyn or where, wherever, out to, you know, Wagen or Pingley or um, Condinan or Calabarian or wherever you're going to, you're always going to see relations. And so, you know, as a little kid, um, uh, because remember, we still weren't at school. This is before we went to school, so we, we would have to go with our parents or grandparents because you couldn't stop home because the other kids had gone to school. So, oh, OK, we'll, we'll go for a ride out there. And of course, you met all your relations and, you know, there were... Times when the the, the you know uh, people um, would talk about oh the little fair-skinned fellas there you know hanging around with Auntie Jeannie or whatever which is my mum well, who who are they and so um, th- that that issue of uh, belonging of course you want to belong you don't want to, you don't want to be an outsider you want to belong and so one of the ways I think my nana 
explained to me at the time was we'll, learn, we'll teach you how to speak so you'll be okay. And so um, whether or not that was a, uh, a conscious and unconscious decision, um, and on top of that they were speaking to you anyway, so you, of course you learnt. And um, by the time you, get, you, know, you sort of go to school, um, you know, you, you have your little Wadula mates there, um, one of my friends, Rodney Parrott, um, um, who lived in uh, Watkin Street, uh, Craig Pierce was in uh, the next street um, north of Watkin Street, Oxford Street, uh, whatever it was. Um, you know, you'd, you'd meet those guys and, you know, because we didn't really speak proper English, of course, we spoke Australian Noongar or Noongar Australian, and so people, we'd be talking to them, you know, oh boy, we had a good feed of yonder the other night, and blah, 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 and um, oh, the, you know, the little buggets, and, you know, using words like that, well, they'd say, well, what are you saying? And so our uh, style of speaking was couched in what we were taught, and it was only, I guess, you realise, oh, well, these, these white fellas, they don't really talk like us. And, that, and so, you know, the other kids would be interested in, you know, this Aboriginal culture stuff and this Noongar culture. And, you know, if they come to our place, um, mum might be cooking a damper and some kangaroo and whatnot and, of course, have a feed. Oh, that's nice. And they'd go and tell their parents back home, they, you know, the parents would freak out, what, you town? So there was always that interchange going on and that was part, part of life. I mean, it wasn't abnormal, that was normal. You know, so... Um, so um, was there any you know, your friends would ask you words, yeah. so you tell them, and so in a sense you kind of get, you know, drawn in because of the state. Ah, oh, Colin, you're, a, you know, you're, a, you know, Aboriginal, or you're a bong, you should know this. So you, so you actually kind of get stereotyped into um, allegedly knowing something. So if you didn't know, you better go, well, you better go find out, um, because um, you know people will be asking you questions, and uh, so eventually, um, um, you know. I guess as you go along in life, you, you realise that the ancient knowledge of the family was important. Yes. And it wasn't something that you leave by the side of the road, and it would you take it with you. So even if you learn how to read and write in English, uh, which was damn important, um, what was even just as important was to make sure you maintain your um, language and your uh, appreciation for for the you know for the old um, the old culture. Going to Fremantle, you as you were saying earlier, you've lived around about Fremantle. Um, for a long time now, and there, there are plenty of other Aboriginal and Noongar people who, who live round about too. Um, do, do you feel a particular closeness to this area? This is home, isn't it? Yeah. And does it come from from uh, from, from a Noongar identity as well? Well, uh, there, there isn't any other identity I can talk about. I mean, I'm, yeah. I can only talk about my Noongar identity. Yeah. So, um, any, any of those questions uh, in a sense they're um, how do you describe a question that's not relevant yeah irrelevant question <laughs> yeah, good, yeah, that's what you're the judge uh, so yeah they're relevant questions because um, I didn't suddenly one day decide oh I want to be a Noongar <laughs> I mean, well, it wasn't Noongar so um, and I was living in my homeland so was it important to me well I think so um, you were talking about place names earlier and that you became involved in a research project. Um, and I'm assuming, and I've read a whole lot of place names uh, for around and about Fremantle, generally speaking. Mm. Um, um, are there particular places here that, that are of more importance than others to, to, to Noongar people? In Fremantle, I mean, all of Fremantle is important. Um, 
uh, you know, what was interesting uh, when I did some work for the Fremantle City Council, we, we did a, a check of the, of the place names, the street names, the names of um, this, that and the other. And um, I don't think, I think we came to the conclusion that there wasn't actually any streets in the city of Fremantle of Noongar origins. So um, the council, um, when they put the road across um, the railway line there down at the fish markets, um, Wardan Lane is a Noongar, Noongar street, which I had the uh, privilege to name, and hence uh, the council put it to Landgate and they accepted Wardan Lane as the, as the street name, and uh, Wardan means um, ocean, so the um, ocean laneway. When you were doing that work and making those inquiries, that research, um, uh, who are the sorts of people that you did consult? Well, the, the tricky thing with the brief for that work was that I um, needed to submit some ideas about it. Now, the thing is that if I, I have a moral obligation that if I'm going to go and bother some people for intellectual property, my standpoint is that I need to remunerate those people for their trouble. <laughs> and Wardan Lane was actually not a funded task. It, it came about because my daughter Mia um, worked at the council and someone at the council asked her if she could figure something out, but they didn't have any resources, so my daughter said, Dad, can you do it as a favour? And so... I said, okay, well, I'll come up with a suggestion, which I did. So I didn't actually consult anybody. <laughs> uh, one Thank goodness there's no, been no hue and cry about it. But, uh, <laughs> now, Wardown Lane is an official place name, or road mm. name. And, and that's its origin, it means the ocean. Mm. Um, often when I'm driving south from Fremantle on the Forest Highway, I go across a bridge called Windditch Bridge, mm. And, and there's now a lot of Aboriginal names as you go down there, um, and, and some of them are quite long and difficult to pronounce for a Wadula. But uh, even Noongar sometimes. And for, and for Noongar too. <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, Windich, do you know this guy? I think you're looking down your list of work. I, I yeah, well, Windich Wind was the bloke that worked with John Forrest, um, Twiggy's family, Twiggy Forrest's family, and um, there was a number of prominent Nungars that worked with um, Forrest in his exploration days and Tom Pinditch was one of them. And um, if you read uh, the diaries of, um, of Forrest, uh, basically he said that um, on all of his expeditions into the um, in, you know, in, inland, that he, he um, the first person he consulted with before he did anything was uh, uh, um, Windich and Nungal Kicket and uh, Tommy Pierre. Um, he, in his own right handwriting, said these guys were the best bushmen in the colony, black or white. Mm. And um, so I suppose when they built Forest Highway, I, I guess they th felt it was important to put Windage up. But of course, the, the fans of Nungal Kicket and the others, they'd be saying, well, where's our place? <laughs> where's, his, uh, where's his name uh, emblazoned on some big bridge or something? Like that? But it'll, it'll happen. It's a pretty serious job naming uh, places. You wouldn't want to do it. Would you? There's plenty of kickets around, as you know. <laughs> um, so yeah, they'll they'll come. They'll come. They'll come, they'll come forward. Because yeah. um, you know, uh, 
the thing about place names, um, the Fremantle deserves more of them, um, and so it'd be it, it, it would like in any uh, task of naming things, um, you know, it's it's a it's a subjective exercise. Charlie Brown wants to do a subdivision, we calls it Brown Street, and uh, when he calls it Charlie and he calls it whatever he wants, but um, you know, so uh, as as things occur, um, you you know you, you'll probably see more, more of this stuff going on. Yeah, yeah. There's the uh, William Barra Park that's now been completed a few years ago, I think, which, as I understand, it's a yeah, well, um, recognition of I'm not 100% sure of the origin, but I think someone took it out of Daisy Bates's work. Um, um, Boyan Burra. Burra. Well, Boyan is rocks. I'm not sure what the back bit is. It's pretty rocky up there. Yeah, well, it was a lot, well, when I was a kid growing up in Sampson Street, that, that was a limestone hill. You could see the ocean. You still can if you walk up the top there with the golf goes on. But uh, that whole hill was um, excavated, obviously, all the limestone was ripped out and carted off, and then they turned it into a rubbish dump. And um, I, I know because I was there, I saw the trucks backing in with all that asbestos, and they dumped it in that hole. And uh, of course, they covered it all up. And uh, God help the residents that live across the road, because I would imagine that uh, plenty of that dust was blown around uh, their backyard. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, Boyneborough Park, that came about. I um, um, but uh, you know, uh, Gorda Weirinup um, is is where the contaminant hill is. You know, that's a dog spirit, the, um, the spirit of the dog that resides there. And of course, it's ironical that you know, uh, South Mount Footy Club got a dog as their symbolic sort of, you know, the bulldogs. Yeah. 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 And then they got that other brass dog there down at the at the harbour, at the port, and the man. Um, so yeah. there is a there is a spirit of a dog, and of course we know the old wife's tale that uh, Bondi painted the the big red the dog, dingo uh, the dingo. Yeah. So you know uh, th there's these underlying um, synergies going that people don't mm. always make connection to, but I guess you know from the subjective Noongar point of view, the uh, the Dreamtime dog. I mean, this year, indeed for many years, there's been quite a debate around Australia about Australia Day and whether uh, it disrespects um, Indigenous people of this country. And, and, the, and the Fremantle Council recently proposed, and I think this year there's going to be uh, one day instead of on the 26th, yeah. uh, on the weekend. Yeah. What, yeah. What, what are your feelings? What are, can you speak generally about that topic? Um, well, the, pro the, the problem with, with the celebration of Australia Day is... Um, it's, it's symbolic of um, of other agendas, and of course uh, for um, Aborigines in Australia and, and in Fremantle, um, but Aborigines around the world. I mean, um, um, uh, you know, th there is now I think a, a voice saying, "Hang on, there's there's other feelings and emotions tied up in this," and uh, you know, Australia Day could, should be celebrated every day as Australians. But on the other hand, um, um, on the 20, what is it, 26th of January, it's a day that for a long time around Australia has been subjected to difference of opinion. And so, without going to say, if you go and look at Australia Day, well, you'll find Invasion Day, you'll find a whole bunch of other versions of the same day right around Australia. So this view that, oh, there is only one uh, 
set of values that's reflected around Australia, well, go on the net and have a look. I mean, there's a whole different bunch of opinions. And the good thing about it is that we live in a democracy. And in a democracy, you can express your feelings and your thoughts and your views on any given matter. And so, you know, um, you know, um, I, I guess Nungas might say, you know, um, your day of celebration is your day. And for us, it's, we've got a different meaning and a different interpretation. And we'll have our opinion um, expressed on that. And the good news, of course, is that you know, there's plenty of multimedia and social media and people can air their view out there. And <laughs> go down on the 26th and celebrate. I'll be there celebrating with you. And I'll be there on the 27th and the 28th and every other day. <laughs> is there a particular day that, uh, that Noongars tend to celebrate for themselves? Probably their birthday. <laughs> there's the odd sorry day, I suppose. That uh... Well, I mean, there's a whole bunch of stuff, as you know, come up um, in the last 10 or 20 or 30 or 50 years, whatever. And, you know, people um, want to express, you know, express uh, feelings and thoughts and emotion. And that's, we're, remote, we're an emotional country. Paul uh, Christopher Columbus in America, he gets a bit of a flogging these days from the Aborigines, and uh, so it's not it's not a thing that's only in Australia. I mean, if you look globally and internationally, there's you know the Catalanians there in um, Chile, you know, and I'm sure you've been to Spain. I mean, there's a particular flag that hangs down. It's not a Chilean flag, mm -hmm. and so the conversations that we're having around Australia, they, these are global matters mm -hmm. all around the world. Mm -hmm. There are different opinions. You know, Christopher Columbus Day is Native American. They're not happy about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and hence, uh, Australia Day is Aboriginal Australians. It's Invasion Day, whatever it is. So far as Fremantle as a as a community is concerned, are there are there things that that the Indigenous people here would would like to see pursued, achieved, that sort of thing? Oh well, I, I think some some Noongars and Aborigines, Yamis, Wongai, Mulbers, whatever, maybe more than happy just to stick with the mainstream idea. Um, on the other hand, there's others that you know, probably want to do whatever they want, but I, um, I hadn't necessarily gone around and consulted people to say, well, what do you want? But you do read it on social media. Yes. So there's a divergence of views. Yes. Uh, just like in the, in, the, in the council, when they made the decisions, there's a divergence of views. And just like when you, you know, read the press or you look on any social media, there's a divergence of views. Mm -hmm. So if you say, well, what is the Noongar position? Uh, which position are you talking about? There's lots of positions. Yeah. There is no one position on this. Mm. Now, just tell me, uh, coming back to the position that you now hold, mm. what, what's the, the nature of your, your current research? Well, uh, well at the moment, I'm, I've just uh, finished the Placelands one, uh, at, and my latest one now, I'm working with... Um, Curtin University and UWA uh, are collaborating. There's a uh, Professor Kim Scott, Professor John Hartley. There's uh, uh, Ingrid Cumming, um, research associate. Uh, Ingrid's my daughter. She works over at um, Curtin with uh, Professor Kim Scott. Uh, Jennifer Buchanan's my research assistant. And so we, we've been working on the Noongarpedia, and uh, Noongarpedia is one of those um, kind of modern um, ways of trans. Um, uh, transporting intergenerational cultural values. And so the Noongarpedia is about Noongar knowledge. And so uh, Noongar knowledge, uh, in this case, is, a, is a, a site that any person can go to. It's not a race-driven model. Uh, you can go onto the site and you can contribute to the Noongarpedia around um, 
around things that might interest you. So if you're a, um, uh, someone that's interested in, um, you know, sort of native title discussion, and you you know you, you've got something to share specifically about the Noongar native title stuff, go for it. Um, uh, it it's a site that um, you know around Noongar knowledge, but Noongar knowledge is is as contaminated and influenced by English, um, but at the same time Noongar contaminates and influences English to the way that we speak today, which is South West Australian. And you know when you go visit your um, mates over in Melbourne and Sydney, uh, they don't necessarily speak the same Australian as us. And so, um, you know, those the, the words in the Australian vernacular um, are heavily um, influenced by the Aboriginal tribes and the languages in those places. And so what we're doing here is following that tradition and we're saying that anybody wants to learn or contribute to Noongar knowledge um, through the Wikipedia, or the Noongarpedia, sorry, um, there is no such thing as a um, Noongar Wikipedia, it's a Noongarpedia. Um, um, go along and have a look, sir. Oh, well, that's, that's, it sounds like an absolutely fascinating project. Is, it, is there a timeline for it? By the sound of it, will go on. No, look, that's an intergenerational um, uh, knowledge um, transference model. Basically speaking, um, you know, we, you know uh, Ingrid and Jennifer have, have been going to schools you know, working with young young uh, kids, uh, for example, up at Hilton uh, Primary School, and you know, so the idea that you know kids who might be whether they're Noongar kids or not, or other Aboriginal kids or, or little Wadilat fellows or whatever, um, they can all go and learn about Noongar knowledge on the Noongarpedia, and so it's 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 a new, latest, cutting edge model to transfer cultural values and ideas through the you know through the computer system. So the good news is that someone, for example, in England or someone in Afghanistan or, or you know, in Ireland, they too can be Noongar um, pedians. Mm. And on that topic of educating kids at school, um, is, is there, undoubtedly there is, since you were a, a kid at primary school, much more taught about Aboriginal history and Noongar history around uh, Southwest of this state, or, or am I making assumptions? Is, is there sufficient? Is there enough? Is well, I mean, you mentioned um, a bloke named Forrest, didn't you? Mm. Well, Forrest tells us in his uh, field diaries that when he was stuck and he was just about at the end of his road because they couldn't get water, who was the men that led him mm. to the water and picked him up and put him back on his horse and brought, took him out and brought him back? Mm. They were nice. And, and uh, the thing about it is, is so when you when you tell the tale of, you know, our um, uh, premier, you know, Sir John Forrest, that's who we're talking about. Um, you know, when you you know, if you talk about um, you know Aussie rules, you know, if you're an eagle supporter, you know, the guy that kicked five goals off the wing, he was a Noongar. You know, if you go down and look at all the um, Anzac memorial sites, Noongars have plastered all over those, and so Noongars have played an absolute mainstream role in building the capacity of this nation to be the great place that we are today. So the idea that you know, Noongar history is some alien thing that nobody knows about, um, that's not the story that I'm talking about. I'm talking about Noongar uh, built this nation and that's why uh, you know, um, you know, it's, it's a good place because our people are part and parcel of, of, the, of the, um, the building of, of, of the national infrastructure. Our people um, not only work with the explorers, but they cleared the country, they shore those sheep, they looked after the farmers' kids. 
no one has played an absolute crucial role. And uh, you can't write those sorts of people out of history. Lynn, I'm most grateful to you for talking to me and that's a wonderful note to finish on. Perfect. Thank you and, very uh, much. Just to say my uh, um, wife Lisa and my daughter Ingrid and Mia and my granddaughters Olivia and uh, Jennifer and Hayley we're all here still in the Wajak country. Wonderful. Perfect. Thanks very much.